Bonjour! It's House of Decline, this French edition. It's because we're getting all international, but also continental. Uh, here is Alex, and it's also Steven. Hello. Bonjour, I should say. Bonjour, and we have a very special guest from Big Shiny Takes, the Big Shiny Takes podcast. It's Eric Wickham. Oh, hello, gentlemen. I, I really appreciate the invite. I, I didn't expect it, and uh, I really appreciate it. Big fan, long time. First uh, thank time. Thank you. I don't yeah, know how that goes. Big fan, long time, first time. Uh, and we have you on because there's been some Canadian issues cropping up. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, we're going to talk about them in relation to uh, COVID and politics and QAnon and anti-maskers and all that. But uh, Eric, uh, for people that don't know, what's Big Shiny Takes all about? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. So uh, Big Shiny Takes is a bi-weekly podcast uh, with two of my friends from journalism school, Jeremy Appel, who writes for The Sprawl Calgary, and Marino Greco, who's uh, a genuinely good boy. We take two of the worst takes uh, of the week that we find in Canadian newspapers and we sort of pit them against each other, and then at the end of the episode, we decide which one is worse for the country as a whole. Um, it's kind of a fun time to do this because media in Canada is imploding, and all the newspapers are firing people, and it seems like the only people that are sticking around are these intellectually bankrupt um, morons that get paid a lot of money. So it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a fun time to be critical of media. Oh, yeah. Well, because uh, the major owner of all media in Canada, especially, is this one conservative conglomerate, Post Media Limited. And they really traffic, is as I, as I called them when I was on your show, FOPs. They really traffic <laughs> in opinion FOPs, uh, uh, which your show is great at exposing. And we, uh, I was on uh, an episode recently where we talked about two good law FOPs, Howard Levitt, and Bruce Party, uh, but you know you've exposed me to fops that I didn't even know existed, like John Kay and his mother Barbara Kay, and how you know th- that weird Buster Bluth Lucille Bluth relationship. I thought that was very interesting, so I'm very glad about that. Did you guys cover the Rosie Demano freakout? Oh yeah, yeah, we did. Uh, I it might have ended up being a, a bonus episode. We did it with one of our uh, our old classmates. Uh, I think the episode was called uh, "A Fucking Abomination" because that was a fucking abomination. <laughs> because that was like the the end of Rosie Demano's email to um, some higher up at the Toronto Star after she found out that there was going to be an ombudsperson um, focused on racial issues in the newsroom. Um, oh my god. She decided that oh that was my God. Uh, oh my God. massive uh, oversight and uh, and would inhibit her ability to do her job for some yeah, reason. Yeah, she's greenwalding. She's <laughs> uh, it's you know any sort of oversight is bad because I have my I have my tenure and I shall not be well, corrected. To, to to greenwall though, you must also at the same time you're doing all of your stuff is is like try to ingratiate yourself with a new generation. At, which I think is the the grossest and weirdest thing that Glenn is doing right now, which is like oh, doing the fellow kids meme. But yeah, like <laughs> you know, he's he listens to Truanon, which is lame. I don't know. I have mixed feelings about Truanon. Um, 
I like True and Nine. I think they're I think they're funny as hell. I, I think don't, race bullies a lot of people on the internet. And I'm not cool. a big fan of the continuation of the blood libel conspiracy theory, especially after reading how it started. Oh, what is the blood libel conspiracy theory? I don't know about that. It, that there are a group of people, whether it started off as Jews, um, sacrificing We're, children uh, for blood. Uh, Ah, there you go. Which is basically what they're accusing Epstein of doing, but or Hillary Clinton right. or whatever. Um, started during the Black Plague. Mm. They were it's, like, well, it's just morphed into adrenochrome, right? That's yeah. what adrenochrome is all about. Yeah, you know? it's the child blood again. So yeah, the purest yeah. blood of all. What if it turned out that child blood was actually like the dirtiest <laughs> blood of all? <laughs> they just have, you know, they have all these child germs. Like if you drink child blood, you will die faster. It's like poison. Oh man, someone better tell Clinton, eh? Yeah. Yeah, these are hot takes, you know. That's why <laughs> that's why Bill Clinton, you know, how does he look like that? If he's got the adrenochrome, then why is he rapidly decaying more so than other presidents? Yeah. <laughs> why is his face melting? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he looks like he's, uh, he, you know, in uh, Last Crusade when the guy chooses the wrong Holy Grail, and he looks about halfway through that right now. We watched that on Maybe slow-mo. just Hillary Clinton just yelling at him every day is just taking a toll on him. Because this is my punishment. This is what I deserve. Um, just going for walks out in the woods and then, you know, scratching his back with a cat of nine tails. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Bill Clinton is that remorseful. Anyway, uh, Eric, we have you on specifically to talk about uh, a thing that's been going on. Uh, with a Toronto chain of restaurants called Adamson Barbecue. I say chain, there are two locations. Mm. But this one is happening at the second location. Never follow anyone to a second location, especially <laughs> Adamson Barbecue. So, so, Eric, can you take us through what's been going on with Adam Skelly and Adamson Barbecue? Oh, man. So, I think I, think I should preface this... In that I I am completely obsessed with this this story and I probably shouldn't be I mean, like part of the the issue is everybody's paying attention to this guy who clearly wants everyone's attention but it's so hard to look away. Um, one it's it's happening in Etobicoke which is I mean, like a suburb of Toronto. But okay, let me let me preface everything. Okay, uh, November twenty first I believe was when uh, Ontario specifically Toronto and and like the Peel region around Toronto went into a lockdown. Um, so that was like a Saturday and then on Monday or Sunday night, uh, this guy named Adam Skelly, who owns a couple restaurants in town, um, decided to go on Instagram and say a bunch of things like, uh, enough is enough. This lockdown has hurt too many businesses for too long. I am going to be opening up tomorrow and you should all come. And so, uh, I mean, the who's who of uh, right-wing dirtbag uh, reporters in the <laughs> the city showed up, along with you know some actual professionals who then got shouted at by the the mob of angry Etobicoans. I don't know. I don't know what the word Etobogans. Etobicocks. Uh, <laughs> Etobicokians. <laughs> well, Koki Roberts. Koki Roberts. So yeah. like, I I have to be honest, like. Etobicoke has like a, a a bit of a soft spot, it, or I got a big bit of a soft spot for Etobicoke. It's the home of uh, of current Ontario Premier Doug Ford, uh, former Toronto Mayor Rob Ford, 
Um, and then I—I uh, I don't know how I'd, I'd describe this this guy, but uh, uh, Luca Magnata also lived there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Classic character, Luca Magnata. <laughs> yes, local celebrity. Um, yeah. So, local scamp, Luca Magnata. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the real rascal. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, there was like a, a media shitstorm on on the Monday, and and uh, a bunch of very odd people decided that this was the hill that they were going to die on. They were going to fight for freedom and good Texas-style barbecue mm. in the suburbs of Toronto. Um, and I, I don't know, like, uh, Stephen, like, you must have seen this from a bit of a, a distance. How how odd has this entire thing been? From Not like that own? odd. There's a rogue. <laughs> there's a rogue restaurant in Michigan. There's uh, a part of the big boy chain. There's a, so there's a rogue big boy now. Uh, and <laughs> He's a large boy <laughs> <right>. now. <laughs> there's a, the, all the headlines are like rogue big boy. Um, <laughs> So the the rogue big boy had to change its name because the big boy corporation is pressing legal action for them staying open in defiance of the Department of Health, and so now they're the Sandusky Diner. Um, oh, classy! Yeah, so there's been a schism in the big boy um, uh, world. So, so, so some know. of the big boy franchisees are going to become Sandusky Diners, right? I was oh, just, what's surprising to me about the the you know adam skelly adamson barbecue thing is this guy adam skelly he looks like a plant not like a you know like a vegetable he yeah. looks like someone who was placed there like how did this guy yeah, they, come to own this restaurant and then i mean he kind of seems like he was i don't know seems shady in a way well, I don't. I feel like the, the, I've I've heard rumors that he's actually comes from money, which is how you know he got his start. And the thing about Adamson Barbecue, it's well reviewed. It's uh, apparently the food is good for whatever. Not doing for. And here I am now because I'm talking about this. I'm doing free advertising and saying <laughs> this guy's food is good actually. Mm. Uh, so you know it's gotten into my fucking head as well. Uh, but yeah, I think his dad is wealthy. The thing is, when I looked him up. All I kept getting was these articles about his his dad apparently created some sort of schizophrenia foundation because his brother mm, committed suicide as a result of oh. uh, having schizophrenic ideation. But, you know, uh, so they're from Leaside, right? And the first uh, Leaside is one of the swankier areas of Toronto. Mm -hmm. It's where the money lives, you know, and the first Adamson barbecue was started in Leaside uh, in the industrial part uh, close to the Ontario Science Center. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, so I do think there is this this sort of privilege that this guy is taking advantage of. He can do this because he knows that even if he didn't get all the press and all the GoFundMe legal funds from it, he still would have been able to rely on this uh, well of Trustafarian money. Yeah, yeah. And I, I do... I do want to preface uh, more talking about Adam Skelly in that he is like the perfect representation of like a dumb entitled Toronto kid. Like he has mm -hmm. all the markings of like a guy who would get kicked out of a hockey game for like punching the ref. You know, like he has, <laughs> he has, uh, I, I can't stand him. And I mean, he's also really good at getting the media to pay attention to him. I, if you, if you 
scroll back on news like google news alerts about adamson barbecue eventually you'll you'll see him like reviewing the best 10 sandwiches or like the thank you note that he sent after the lockdown happened and Mm-hmm. And I mean, then you'll also see his his takes on um, <laughs> on what he actually thinks of coronavirus and him refusing to apologize about that back in April. But mm-hmm. uh, I mean, he knows how to get people to pay attention to him, and he definitely found his audience this uh, this past week. Yeah, I mean, QAnon people like to rally around something, and you know, barbecue strikes at that very <laughs> down home attitude that you know, barbecue goes right to the core of our values as North Americans, right? You know, <laughs> it is representative of our of our spirit, our our right to eat fatty, cured, slow roasted meats. Uh, you know, it, it's part and parcel of that entire experience we're getting back to america right we're getting back to jfk jr you know we're getting back to the good america before the pedophiles took over (laughs) but what they don't know is that they were always pedophiles you know (laughs) it was always jfk was a pedophile no (laughs) that's libelous maybe he was i don't know yeah you can't jfk fuck anyone under 18 ever you can't libel the dead i uh you know it's i don't know i haven't explored that question i am finding searching for adam skelly that er earlier in the pandemic he was having anti-covid meltdowns on social media there's a post from uh the toronto reddit from a while ago 215 days ago it doesn't give me the date so so two-thirds of a year ago Adam Skelly yeah, early has, in the pandemic. has an anti-COVID meltdown on social media, calls others retards. And it's him <laughs> just calling everyone retard for, <laughs> for saying that it has a 3% fatality rate, which I believe so, so far it, it does technically have a 3% uh, fatality rate, even though we're undercounting the, the number mm. of asymptomatic cases. So it's less than mm-hmm. that. It's at least half that, I would say. 1.5 would place it in the range of uh, being more deadly than the flu, as we, all, yes. as we all know. I mean, it is also very highly infectious, and having to deal with many highly infectious diseases is, is bad. And it also but, makes you, know, you hate barbecue, I think that, which is why yeah, he's fighting It doesn't matter. He's fighting. <laughs> he has to fight COVID. Do you think these people are, like, gunning for the... I guess they don't even believe the coronavirus really exists or don't believe it's as harmful as the government is saying and the government is using it as an opportunity to uh, increase uh, control over everything. Uh, and I guess... Uh, what do they th- What do they call it? The Great Reset? That's what they're uh, obsessed with now? Yeah, yeah. Yes. So, so this is a thing. Trudeau said uh, the Great Reset. Um, he in actually which- said it? Yeah, he said the phrase Great Reset in, you know, uh, in response to, so, so, uh, in response to, you know, in, in intervening in this crisis, we have a chance to remake the Canadian economy to be better for working people was the sentiment, right? Mm. You know, even though Trudeau's not going to do that because he's a feckless lib, but he, he knows how to talk the talk, or at least he knows how to read speeches that are put in front of him. Um... And so, but people have been taking this great reset phrase to be like, ah, the new world order, you know, this is a very new world order. And they do think that we, that we, that whoever is in power wants to ban eating meat and make everyone eat bugs. They think that. (laughs) Well, you know, we have the McPlant now. Right. You know, yeah, yeah. What is this, 
<laughs> McBugs. We have the McGrasshopper. McCricket. I want to uh, eat cow. It's, it's going to happen soon enough. Mm. We already eat bugs. People are going to rationalize it. You eat lobster, and that's just a large bug, so why not eat the small ones? Yeah, it's I eat like, the spiders. Think of them as tiny lobsters. I eat spiders, you know? Yeah. It's normal. Hold me closer, <laughs> tiny lobster. <laughs> Uh, that's that's what I say as I caress Jordan Peterson's face, you know. The new theory, just sidetrack on Peterson watch, the new theory is that he has he has just really bad brain damage. I think I've seen. <laughs> you think so? Yeah, he's he's just completely brain damaged and that's why he's put out a new another twelve rules. That would make mm. that book so much fun to read. <laughs> Oh, I really, I'm really curious if the first rule is like, don't do benzos, right. or is he just gonna? <laughs> Trust me, this shit ain't worth it, kiddo. <laughs> I mean, that's what I, I, I think the reason why um, I'm also obsessed with Jordan Peterson is because there's this idea that, you know, uh, if he did change or if he did suddenly come to this ep- epiphany. And because he's coming to epiphanies constantly, it's not out of the question. You know, I've been wrong this entire time. Suddenly, I love trans people now. <laughs> you know, there's always going to be that that Scro- I, that Scrooge moment that I hope mm-hmm. happens, or Grinch moment with Jordan Peterson, where his heart grows three sizes, mm-hmm. and then he preaches to his audience. You know, it's we don't need to hate this, you know, microscopic minority of people in order to make ourselves feel good. It's okay. You can love yourself, white guys. It's okay. <laughs> I mean, depending <laughs> on how this book mobbed. sells, I mean, that yeah. might be his move. I don't think that's his move. I think he's got to he's got to stick to this. But that that's the question is, uh, so the Tea Party sort of dissolved, you know, after Obama. And the current version of the alt-right is probably, as, as we know it, the Pepe alt-right is probably going to dissolve into something else. So that's the question of what form will it take in the Biden presidency? I think it's going to be very... QAnon. I think QAnon is going to escape the Trump bounds, and that's going to start, start becoming the inner workings of a lot of the GOP machine. Mm-hmm. I think Glenn Greenwald is way off when he says that it's a distraction. I think it's I think it's going to be a very huge motivating political force in the next few years. Mm-hmm. Well, that's going to be Well, nuts. I mean, even even looking at the right-wing reactionaries that showed up at Adamson over the past yeah. week. Um, QAnon guys. QAnon guys. Um, I mean, I saw some photos. I saw Kevin Johnston there. Um, so Steven, which one's Kevin Johnston? Kevin the Jackal Johnston is uh, is like a, a local doughy idiot from uh, Mississauga, which is another Toronto suburb. Uh, yeah, he ran for mayor of Mississauga. He actually came second, which is more concerning than you'd think because he accused the current mayor of the the city uh, of trying to introduce Islam to the city so she could kill her gay son. Um, he, he also got sued by a, a restaurant franchise owner. His name's Muhammad Fakih, um, because he like harassed his family and called him a terrorist at the local shopping mall. Um, he so he was there at Adamson Barbecue. 
um, on top of Kevin the Jackal Johnson, and I mean Joe Warmington and Brian Lilly and and all the Joe Warmington I- is uh, he's a fedora wearing uh, Republican op-ed person. <laughs> yeah. Does he wear a fedora? His Avi wears a fedora, so I assume <laughs> <laughs> he wears a fedora. It's like his persona is the scrawler. For those who don't know, Joe Warmington is is like the dumbest man to ever write a column, and. Uh, I have a lot of love in my heart for him because he's he's so bumbling and like I don't think he knows how stupid he comes across but like mm-hmm. it he's a lot of fun but he was there as well and he was basically running like a uh, just like bleh, what's the word he was doing marketing for Adams and Barbecue for the entire week which was a lot of fun oh, yeah. because like he he's the one who filmed uh, Skelly getting arrested on top of uh, Kevin Johnston being there, though, like Paul Fromm was there, and that's like a it's kind of like a deep cut, but he's sort of Canada's racist, like Canada's racist, like, like, <laughs> and he would probably be excited about that that as his name. He was like a, a high school teacher that was like uh, fired for his white supremacist views, fired for truth. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> but yeah, Paul Fromm was there too, was wearing a trench coat, being weird and old. Oh my god. Um, so, I mean, it was kind of like a perfect storm, this entire Adamson thing. A perfect storm front, if yeah. you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, Paul Frum had a show on Stormfront for a while. Oh like, my he God, did, like, yeah. an online radio show. Was um, he, was, did he, was, did he go into the restaurant? Um, well, let's, let's, let's say what happened. So he, this guy, Adam Skelly, he says he's going to defy the restrictions and open up the restaurant. Mm-hmm. And it takes the police a while to go shut it down, right? But they do. Yeah, yeah. And takes is, them about three days to put locks and on the is restaurant. Is that when yeah. the supporters start gr- gathering? Maybe the uh, day after? No, the supporters started gathering on the first day. Hmm. So, okay, mm-hmm. so what happens is the call goes out that restaurants need to be shut down. It's not even shut down. They just can't do indoor dining. That's what it was all about. He was opening up his spot for indoor dining. That's literally all this comes down to, is they, they couldn't do one form of dining. I gotta eat in the and presence of, so, of men. I must yeah. eat in the presence of other men. Yes, we must have our community at Adamson Barbecue. You wouldn't close down Cheers for a pandemic, would you? You wouldn't force Norm to drink alone, would you? You know. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, um... So the first day, protesters start gathering because they're anticipating, you know, the cops to hassle. I think the cops, I think they, some, I don't know the exact timeline, but fines are laid. He continues serving people anyway. The second day, they put locks on the doors. They bust, Adamson Barbecue busts open the locks. Uh, There's lots of protesters, people getting barbecue there. The third day, I think, after, you know, issuing a 100K fine and putting locks on again, they finally cart him away. Of which there's footage that wonderful Mr. Warmington took. Oh, and yeah. so, yeah, and there were protesters for, like, all three days while this was going on. I think the restaurant is, is the restaurant still open? I'm not sure. I think, I think it's shut down now. I think uh, yeah. they found out that Skelly was operating this Etobicoke location without a business license as well. Ah. Hmm. So <laughs> you're just breaking rules left and right. Um, Doesn't like the government. Government. Well, it's, that's probably why... Um, these goofy right-wing um, assholes have sort of latched onto this story is is that, I mean, this is like the first time in this pandemic where they could point to like a white business owner as some sort of 
um, oppressed subject of the government. And, like, mm-hmm. they jumped on it, and they jumped on it hard. And, I mean, I think it, it does tie into the whole, you know, Trudeau Great Reset conspiracy <laughs> thing, where they're like, Trudeau is doing that to this man, even yeah, though, I Trudeau's mean... Trudeau's trying to outlaw barbecue and make us all eat bugs. <laughs> Which I mean, like, there's a there's a hole in that in that I mean, the premier is Rob Ford's uh, brother Doug, who's a very conservative man. Um, also, but, a fond lover of barbecue. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's weird seeing um, conservative media in this country sort of have to pick a side between their boy in office and their boy who makes the good sandwiches. Um, mm-hmm. It's a it must be a real moral quandary. Oh, did the, I think they're coming down on the sandwiches did because, the premier, you know, no matter... Did the premier uh, Ford go... Is he not in favor of the barbecue guy? Well, the first day, he, he was actually very, very um, sympathetic to him. He said, you know, like, I can't come down hard on this guy. He's trying to run a business, blah, 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 blah. Um, I hope he doesn't open tomorrow. And then when he opened the next day, then the next press conference was... Uh, he really shouldn't have done that. He's a real knuckle, knucklehead, bunch of like weird platitudes. And then, yeah. the, then the third day when Adamson tried to to, to open up again, uh, he got arrested. On and on that day, so he got arrested, right? And and then as a, as an act of good faith, so CBC says, they let him into a back area, right? Or what? Yeah. Or is this is this before he got arrested, and this is why he gets arrested? Um. So he was this? allowed. He was allowed back in like the back area to collect personal belongings, right. or something. And I think then I read. he he broke through the drywall to get into the <laughs> main part of the restaurant, and then smashed the locks that they had put in because they had changed the locks, and threw the doors open and invited everyone in. And I think that's when they really arrested him, right? I, yeah, that's the bit. Like there was a a big a drama that played out basically, because yeah. he 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 did it this second maybe second order uh, level of defiance mm-hmm. um, to break He's a through. Showman. Yeah, that's when the story caught my attention. That's when it, I think it really started hitting the news in America. Because when the <laughs> a guy breaking through his own drywall. <laughs> Like, yeah. who's gonna, who do you think is going to pay for that? <laughs> well, apparently these GoFundMe cucks yeah. who are who are giving him, like, he's already raised, like, well over six figures for legal fees. So Ugh. he's going to be he's going to be well funded. I don't worry for this guy. If if you get it together with enough people reporting on the GoFundMe, you can get GoFundMe to pull it. Um, so anyone with enough clout should organize a reporting campaign to report mass report to GoFundMe. Mm-hmm. Just DDoS attack GoFundMe. <laughs> uh, well, well, yeah, no, what the, I mean, this is what the, the the woke people are accused of doing this a lot, so maybe it's not a great thing to continue doing, but if you go after the payment processors, that also can get people to pull things down. Mm. So, if this you know time the fact that there is a, a, a actual white nationalist at this event that's a reason enough to for me to say you could probably try to start threatening GoFundMe like yeah but people don't believe people in general don't believe Nazis exist they don't think these guys are actually white no- nationalists they just Ooh. think oh they're very far right you know I've, it's, I it's think like, a lot of people in America believe in, that Nazis exist now 
it, I can't tell if it's just my cohort or is it because I feel like when I try to think of the normie mind, I adjust for like, uh, you know, you know, people thought the Nazis were defeated in 1945 and it could never happen in America because it was America that defeated the Nazis. I think that's the logic mm. that a lot of people operate on, which is why I assume it's hard to convince them that Nazis. But even if it's Nazis, you know, the old guard of boomers are like Nazi speech is fine. Right. So <laughs> it's, you know, what can you do about it? <laughs> Yeah, uh, we need to protect Nazi speech so that it will we can see it because if we see it, then we will be able to refute it better. Yeah, uh, yeah it's no one's yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that logic holds. <laughs> yeah, no one's going to be dumb enough to believe it, you know. Except for yeah. all those other people that are wearing the same shirts over there, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah that, I mean, it's Matt almost Ta as if Matt Taibbi yeah. was making trying to make that argument this last week about, um, you know, Matt Taibbi's a free speech absolutist, so he's come to, comes down hard on the, is it Popper that has the paradox of intolerance, where you can't yeah. tolerate the intolerant? Yeah, Taibbi hates that, free speech absolutist. Yeah, yeah. Well, because Taibbi still subscribes. You know what I think it is? It's it's the liberal. The, as in, like, Voltaire liberal reliance on on Lockean reliance on logic and reason. Sort of that Enlightenment-era idea that anything can be rationalized, any idea, at least, can be rationalized away. But the thing about the fascist argument is it's not a rational argument. It's, it's an argument that argues from a place of pathos, which is why you can't rationalize it away, which is why you can't, you know, have a debate about it, because you're always you're not actually debating ideas you're debating emotion you're debating anger you know you're mm -hmm. you're and you know you can't really you can't really reason that away and i think that the the implication of institutions like the aclu or someone um who says that nazi speech should be protected is that it can succumb to reason when it can't Mm -hmm. um, and I think someone like me who thinks that maybe we should suppress Nazi speech is that, uh, you know, people aren't likely to seek it out uh, unless people people are more likely to, you know, go down that path if it is shouted at them, if it is offered to them. But when it's not offered to them, they aren't. I would agree with that. I don't that. really see a danger behind it, but... Uh, Maybe I'm wrong. Tell me if I'm wrong. No, Come up with counter arguments. You're 100% right, and I, I'd like to use this as an opportunity to plug my podcast as the world's first anti-free speech podcast, Big Shiny Takes. <laughs> Big Check Shiny it out, BigShinyTakes.com. Anywhere Big you can find takes. podcasts, it's, it's available. <laughs> on iTunes, <laughs> on Spotify. You Is it on SoundCloud? It on you guys get on that SoundCloud? I don't think we're on SoundCloud, and we also don't have as cool of a theme song as you guys. I, no, you have a nice you, theme you song. You can commission one, uh, $300,000. So that's how yeah. much we paid <laughs> for that yeah. theme song. It's crazy. We're in debt. It's cr we're in yeah. a crazy amount of debt right now. I depleted my entire trust fund. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> There's still a lot more. <laughs> um, so Adamson Barbecue. Mm. I, I also think this is an interesting story because uh, because it, of the political flashpoint around it. Because you have this combination of QAnon, Nazis, sort of 
glasses wearing truck dads, uh, <laughs> libertarians. But you can really see the this new the, you can really see this new political block foment in these. The people these are the people that Maxime Bernier wanted with the uh, PPC, but couldn't get traction because he sucks. Yeah, yeah. He's also like super uncharismatic, and also like the people yeah. that would like him are also bigoted against uh, French people. So yeah, there didn't you go. Help him either. But yeah, honestly, yeah. like, would you be super surprised to see Adam Skelly running as a PPC candidate next election? Yeah, fuck. Yeah, he's he's probably he'd win. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna run as a PPC candidate in Etobicoke, and he's gonna win. Etobicoke Central, the heart of Ford Nation. You know. Mm-hmm. Ugh. And you you might see like while the PPC is a joke right now, Maxime Bernier. If they start running more Anglo's, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think the PPC is always going to be a joke. I think it's round, it's roundly been rejected because I I think even these Nazis that attended Adams and Barbecue, they're still voting conservative. You know, they know they're not going to get any traction with the PPC, and the conservatives basically do the same thing. So what you're going to mm-hmm. do? Mm-hmm. I think that's that's probably fair. It's, uh, we have smarter Nazis in Canada. Is what <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? That that actually like that's one of those points that I kept seeing on Twitter. Is I kept seeing Americans getting surprised that there were uh, boorish, uncouth Canadians shouting outside of a restaurant demanding more barbecue and stuff. And it's like, <laughs> no, like, like you can believe what you want about Canadians, but I mean, I know a lot of dumb people here. Like, I would say most of the people I know, most of the people I grew up with are kind of dummies. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, it, it's, uh, I hope this shattered people's expectations of what Canadians were like. Uh, we want our, we want our cue, you know? Can't do it without the cue. <laughs> I thought it's you guys like jerk. I. You got my, I thought you guys were all obsessed with jerk chicken. <laughs> we are in the good parts of the it's city. It's better, guys. yeah, it's better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's uh, everyone should go to. Let's recommend some Toronto restaurants that are good and also complying with orders, like Albert's uh, Fine Foods Famous Jerk Chicken. Mm. Uh, uh, I also stand Mr. Jerk. There's good Mr. Jerk down at uh, Wellesley and Jarvis. Check them out. They're great. Uh, and also Stockyards. Stockyards Barbecue is a barbecue place that's cool. Very good barbecue. Not dicks. Go to stockyards. Yeah, in stockyards. If you're in the suburbs, a little bit west of Adamson Barbecue, check out uh, Charlie's for uh, some good roti. Mm. There we go. Restaurants that. Uh, what? Not a big roti non- guy. No, I love. No, uh, no. I'm saying non-Nazi restaurants. Uh, I just, I just moaned because I'm a moaner. Oh, I was just like, oh my Wait, god. Wait, so roti is an, is non-Nazi. Typically, well, yeah, it's hard okay. to, it, a, yeah, because it's there's Caribbean. A pun, there's a Nazis pun in there. Typically, I guess I was using non, the word non, but never mind. Non, Nazi. I thought roti I was also roti's, Indian. Roti, it is, but uh, I don't think they use non in the Caribbean version. They don't use non in the Caribbean version. No. Do they? No. No, the bread is called roti. Yes. That's where it comes. The the flat bread that they use is the roti, and the but a roti. Is filled with potatoes. Okay, but roti is meats. from India. Yes. Okay. I think it's, so my it's from the Caribbean. About okay. Roti <laughs> being non Nazis. But it's not made of non. It's it's is, its own bread. It is funny. <laughs> and <laughs> it's cool. It's funny it's and really cool. It's really funny. It's funny and good. Um, <laughs> I think it was a good pun. 
Okay. Uh, yes. Uh, yes. Uh, 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 but uh, <laughs> something... You can do non with anything. I'm gender non-conforming. I'm bred. Okay, that's bad. That's I'm yes. no, that's sorry good. That's that. good. I'm stealing that. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, no, because I don't want to. Uh, I although I do. If if it wasn't horrifically insulting to identify as bred, I would, <laughs> because I am. I'm a big piece of bread. That's who I am. Uh, you can but be sexually yes, trans bred. listeners, yeah. don't hate me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm an. I'm a fucking idiot. Yeah, well, Alex I'm a is fucking moron. He is like a piece of bread. Yeah, I'm all bread. All bread, all the way down. <laughs> I, you know, bread tube. My body is a bread tube. <laughs> That's it. I'm spongy. I'm doughy. I'm filled with holes. I'm filled with little holes. Did you guys ever take those uh, those like white bread slices and just sort of. Crush them into a little ball, a little smooth ball. You ever do yeah, that? Yeah, I did that a lot as a kid. And yeah, I made bread take, balls. Make bread balls and take little bites out of them. Yeah. Uh, what you do is you you cover them in butter and you fry them up. What? Oh my god. And you got and you got fried bread balls. <laughs> that's a that's see. You should buy food for me. You should buy my bread balls. <laughs> Fuck Adams and barbecue. I'm making up the. I'm opening up the bread ball factory for my apartment. <laughs> Just, uh, Pull up like right in front of Adams and Barbecue. <laughs> Just pop your trunk and start frying up some bread balls. Oh man! <laughs> hey, hey! You can't have bread shaft without the bread balls. That's my that's my uh, catchphrase. Hmm. That'll be our. I think it that'll be our official motto. Um, and then a guy opens up a bread shaft cart next to me. Wow! Like, ah, why didn't I? Th-? I guess baguettes are just a bread shaft when mm-hmm. you think about it. Yeah. Uh, submarine sandwiches. How do you want your bread sh- <laughs> Bread shaft. Yeah, so I guess start calling baguettes bread shafts. <laughs> Go um, to Subway and order hmm. a bread shaft. Steven, you said you had a story about a restaurateur. Was that the big boy story? That, yeah, no, that's just the big, I mean, uh, the big boy going rogue. Um <laughs> 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 it's like the Simpsons episode where the uh, the all of the fifty foot eyesores come to life, yeah. and uh, the large lad donut boy is is radio running throughout town. I'm just picturing, you know, the the horrific visage of the 1950s cartoon character Chubby Big Boy running amok throughout. Where where is this rogue Big Boy? Is it in like Battle Creek, Michigan? Or no, something it's like that? not. It's in like a, a Detroit suburb. I'm pretty sure. Um, nah, it's pretty funny. I think rampaging through Livonia. I think there was another couple of restaurants going up against the lockdown, but Michigan's lockdown got kind of nuked by our Supreme Court. Uh, stripping the governor of her, uh, her ability to implement lockdowns. So the pandemic's just been getting worse and worse here because we haven't been able to have a real lockdown. We're not, we're not even, we're like one of the only states without an emergency um, order. Like we're not in a state of emergency, which is Jeez. not great because. Because of freedom. Yeah, because, yeah. Luckily, one of the small victories the Democrats had was we flipped the Supreme Court of Michigan to be Democrats. So that's nice. That's some mm. electoralism working uh, on the state level. We're big electoralism fans here at Hazard. Yeah, well. you know. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, actually, probably more than the entire than every other podcast I listen to. Uh, we are probably have more faith in the system. Uh, not faith in the system, but at least it can work. You just gotta, you just gotta have like a lot of fucking money and organizational ability, uh, which is you know. I'm not good at that, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have no money and no organizational capabilities, so I'm, yeah. I'm going to have to sit this one out, I guess. Yeah, I'd rather pick up a gun and, you know, just redo <laughs> the whole system. <laughs> uh, and, uh, sometimes, some days, you know, we all have our... We, see, that's the, that's the thing, is the QAnon army is just a bunch of people doing Michael Douglas and falling down, but all at the same time. <laughs> You know, <laughs> well, it's a mass falling down event. My favorite bit of this Adamson barbecue thing: one was the guy who tried to hug Skelly as he was trying, or he was being carted away by the cops. This this one man um, wrapped his body around Skelly so the cops couldn't arrest him. They they ended up separating the two, and it, I think mm -hmm. uh, this guy was the only other person to be arrested at the scene because he. I think he, he got charged with, like, assaulting an officer, which, I mean, he didn't. He just hugged his new hero, Adam Skelly. But my second favorite part was, for some reason, uh, Toronto police decided to send the mounted unit in, and they had a bunch of horses lined up at, in front of the front door of this, like, shitty barbecue place. And all the the weird, uh, I think you called them glasses-wearing truck dads earlier, um, <laughs> started blasting salsa music. And having Ooh. like a weird dance party in front of the uh, in front of the restaurant in the parking lot, and it it is like it's like fever dream quality, like bad dancing, weird people, and then horses in front of a restaurant that it, it, I don't know. Like you need to see yeah, it. Yeah, it's like a Jodorowsky movie. <laughs> it it defies, and it, like it was very novel to look at if anything like it, mm -hmm. it's probably probably bodes poorly for political discourse in this country that this entire thing happened however getting that moment out of all of this shit i mean silver linings right yeah you have to you obviously have to live for those absurd moments like uh trump kissing the flag at cpac <laughs> that's amazing it's amazing you know, like obviously the last four years weren't worth that alone but you know we'll always have that yeah if you combine As, that moment with the time where there were riots going on in dc and he walked down uh down to the that church to hold up a bible mm -hmm. in front of it to take a photo of and then I believe, <laughs> yeah, and then, like, believe that reporter was like um is that your bible sir and he went it is a bible yeah i think he was holding it upside down too <laughs> yeah, yes he yeah. was also it's like hold it up yeah. here's a bible wow. yeah and you could hear like that sirens is. in the background and ugh. yeah obviously the the trump descent into madness was bad but if you can't appreciate the absurdity of it you know just just kill yourself now right you know why go on living if you can't appreciate how ridiculous it all is uh, you know that's what didn't didn't camus say something about that wasn't that something that camus said the philosopher the french philosopher camus yeah it, it, when he was talking about the myth of sissy fist sissy fist hmm the myth of sissy fist yeah he keeps putting his whole fist up you know his boyfriend's asshole only for it to be expelled each time his hands so are too he soft. has to keep 
he <laughs> his hands are too soft. And you the know? goal is he to keep to it in there hands. forever. The yeah, the goal is to keep it in there. Well, to get <laughs> to get fully into his boyfriend's oh. asshole. <laughs> fully in. <laughs> but his fist is too sissy, so he's sissy fist. Uh, it's a yeah. It's like it's like a vor. It's like a vor fantasy. You see. Have we talked about Vor on the show? Have we talked about Vorarophilia? I believe on the show? Uh, that when we were discussing Amy Klobuchar, we talked about Vor because oh yeah, there's a lot of Vor she's, porn. She's in. Yeah. She's either into Vor or people who are into Vor are into her. Oh uh, uh, yeah, Eric. Absolutely. Do you know what Vor is? I um I have to profess my don't go- uh, don't Google it. I'm gonna uh, Google it right Google now. Vor. Actually, one second. That's don't a great Google idea. Anal Vor. Uh, <laughs> I'm it's gonna, about, uh, it's a fetish, a weird uh, <laughs> online Tumblr sort of fetish. It's it's very ubiquitous as well. It's the it's one where it's a sexual paraphilia, where you fantasize about being entirely consumed by another person. There's lots of forms of it. There's oral vor, where you imagine being eaten by somebody. Sometimes you get digested as well. That's also sometimes part of the fantasy. There's anal vor, where you imagine going up somebody's asshole. Genital vor, of all stripes and varieties. Sometimes people imagine crawling into their foreskins. Yeah, that <laughs> one's harder. Completely... You have to yeah. stretch out your foreskin to do... These people are, like, stretching out their foreskins <laughs> to envelop things yeah. with that it. Was, that was an unaired episode of the Fantastic Four. <laughs> you know? The Fantastic where... Four? Yeah. The Fantastic Four, yes. <laughs> Oh, oh my god you, you know it's hard coming out of the gay closet to your parents but try coming out of the anal vor closet to your parents <laughs> yeah dad i want you know, to mom be... dad thank you for inviting me to thanksgiving with my boyfriend uh tiny and, <laughs> uh the reason why he's so tiny is because i'm trying to fulfill a long time dream i've always had mom dad i'm anal vor <laughs> so it, it's not really a uh, it's a it's a fetish it's not an orientation no so no you can't it's not a, no it would be funny if it are was you born that, you know, into gay, anal straight by pan and anal vor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah <laughs> but yeah, anyway say, klobuchar never likes to eat before. She's 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 into eating, consuming people whole. So she's eaten people. We suspect who who's Clo- into eating a- Amy Klobuchar. Amy Klobuchar. Yeah, she's we, into consuming yeah, people. Yeah, we we feel that she has consumed uh, an aide or an assistant or two. At least and they're one. living inside of her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. <laughs> what gave it away though? <laughs> Uh, that, that booty, it can, that booty is, is absolutely, that can only be achieved by having two people inside Oh, I thought it was when there was like a tiny hand that reached out and did sign language for help. (laughs) Little cartoon Uh, sign in its hand. Yeah. That rules. I miss, I miss Amy Klobuchar. I don't know. I hope she comes back onto the scene to vibrate with intense energy. Her name was being floated around for attorney general, which is really funny because it's like, I feel the George Floyd stink is still on her. You know, she can't. Well, to avoid that. Yeah, that they are. You know, that seems like that movement has died down a little bit in terms of the media, at least. Yeah, it will until the next one. 
You know, I don't think I don't think this Biden presidency is probably is going to do anything to stop the frequency of these. And, you know, another one is always just a month away. So uh, I don't I don't want it to happen. I hope it doesn't happen, but it will because America is trash. Well, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting when the George Floyd trial actually starts. I don't think it's until 2021. That might set mm. things off again, though. Yeah, if Chauvin doesn't get effectively punished enough. If he doesn't even get a manslaughter charge, you know, people I will probably I think they pissed. have him charged on some form of murder, I think. Yeah, I think they have second-degree homicide. I think they... Something like that, but uh, I don't know. I'm no, I can't. I'm no legal expert. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you are oh, our legal I, expert of the show. They'll give law degrees <laughs> to anybody. They gave one to me. They gave one to Derek Sloan. <laughs> they gave one to Bruce Party. You know, it's, they'll give one to fucking anybody. You know? <laughs> Three great Canadians. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I'm interested to see how the media covers the George. Floyd trial, especially after I mean the last month or so has been kind of uh, trying to gloss over Biden's um, voting record and all that uh, all that fun stuff. So I mean I I don't think things are going to get better in the states either. But uh, I mean, are you telling me that Mister I don't want my kids to grow up in a racial jungle Biden <laughs> has a bad voting history with with criminal justice? I'm Shoot him in s- the leg. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna say uh, Mr. Joe uh, gave a eulogy at Strom Thurmond's funeral. Uh, Biden probably won't be the greatest thing to uh, to bridge the gaps in uh, in the states. Man, the other thing is like once this I mean this Adamson barbecue shit will eventually blow over, but it's gonna be really weird to have your clientele exclusively populated by QAnon and mm. Nazi people. <laughs> Like that's that's just you're just the Nazi restaurant now. You where all the Nazis come to congregate. <laughs> They're like biweekly meetings. Yeah, cheers for Nazis. Dun da 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 dun da 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 da. Oh, making your way in the world today takes everything you got. All of the Jews are all against you. You should they should all be shot. So this guy from from Rebel News, which is a, is that is that a Canadian thing? Rebel News. Yeah, that's a Canadian started so by Ezra, uh, Ezra Levant. So Ezra Levant, he tweeted about Adam Skelly. So it, quote unquote, Adam Skelly is banned from social media. That's obviously unconstitutional. <laughs> it, that's is it, stupid. Is it? <laughs> Uh, I don't think there's anything in the Constitution about Twitter, but... uh, uh, Hey, look, when when in 1982, when Trudeau was hashing all this shit out, (laughs) they were thinking, certainly there are going to be uh, microblogging platforms (laughs) that people will need in order to talk about how the government is obscuring their barbecue. So that's why we have section 17145 of the fucking Canadian Charter <laughs> of Rights and Freedoms, which says that you should not diminish barbecue. Uh, so it, is it the tr- your Constitution, is it the Charter of Rights and Freedoms? Yeah. Is that a part of the Constitution there? It is a part of the Constitution. Our Constitution is made up of several components is the charter of, of rights and freedoms like our bill of rights 
it's it's similar, mm-hmm. but it is it does form the basis of our constitutional law. We did have a constitutional framework that was different than the Charter of Rights and Freedoms prior to 1982, but um, it didn't really enumerate rights in even the way that the American Constitution does, which is why we had to have a new one. And this one is especially the Canadian Charter is pretty woke. You know, especially mm-hmm. for having been made in in 1982, because there's there's pretty much an actual affirmative action clause in it, section 15.2, which is the one that says that. Um, so section 15.1 is you know right to equal treatment, but section 15.2 is like if you know someone by dint of their history is not treated equally, you know you need to treat them differently in order to get to equity. It's basically it's ba- the equity clause, you could call it. I don't know. I'm not a legal expert. But <laughs> you are. But you are. Yeah. But it's it's weird that uh, this is another thing that Bruce Party tries to ignore in his interpretations of it, where, especially when it comes to trans people, uh, because Section 15.2 has a list of, like, enumerated classes, but also has, like, a catch-all term. You know, Section, uh, section 15 says that you won't discriminate based on race, uh, gender, you know, age, lots of enumerated things. But gender expression isn't part of it. But it also has a catch-all term that says, you know, I, I forget what it says exactly, but basically, you know, any other thing that someone can be discriminated against, you know, you have to take that into account when uh, even, when coming up with legislation. Even being you know, a so, Nazi, um, though? Uh, well, Nazis, I, it, it'd be funny if they tested somebody and they were genetically a Nazi. Mm-hmm. I was born this way. Mm-hmm. I can't help it. Yeah, I'm a goddamn Nazi. Like Lady Gaga. That's what born this yes. way is about. <laughs> <It's>, yeah. <laughs> and that would be funny if she was a Nazi. <laughs> changes my outlook uh, on Lady Gaga. Oh my I can't get a date. 1488. I'm on the right track, baby. I was born. I'm on the Those right track. Those are the actual track. lyrics. Yeah, I'm on the right track. She says she's the on Reich the Reich track. track. The Reich, the Reich track. The Reich track. <laughs> My God. Yeah, the, there's just the version where she's just saying Vaterland over and over and over again. <laughs> uh, that would be funny if, yeah, Lady Gaga. I don't think is a secret Nazi. Pretty confident. But Ezra Levant is. Stephanie German, right? <laughs> Ezra Levant is a secret Nazi. He, I he's guess. a. He's a. Very openly He's a Nazi supporting Jewish guy. If that yeah. if that counts, I mean his uh, his news organization Rebel News was born out of the failure of the Sudden TV network, which was Canada's mm. attempt to sort of create a, a Fox News for to push you know right wing conservative talking points, um, but uh, that didn't that didn't work. So he tried out uh, this this whole internet news thing, and I mean Rebel News is. Uh, is a bit of a net a mess and levant is has sort of had a, a bit of a track record of hiring some some very interesting people um a guy by the name of gavin mckinnis um okay. a, a lady by the name of faith goldie okay, um, so he is a Nazi. southern he's a he's a he's a fuck a, a fucking awful well, dude he's a, he's a jewish guy that will ally with nazis in order to get his version of things. I don't want to call him a self-hating Jew, but I think he's like, I think he's one of those people that have effectively convinced themselves, like I've said before, that Nazis don't actually exist. Yeah, well, in Faith Gold is pretty obviously 
Yeah, I, I think he ended up <laughs> having to let uh, Goldie and McInnes go for being too themselves. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Actually, uh, the last thing that Gavin McInnes did was he went on a, a trip to Israel with the Rebel News crew, and uh, and they were doing a, an interview in like the airport, and uh, and Gavin was like, I don't really know what the point of this was. I think I I came back even more anti-Semitic than I was before, and he was like, making jokes about it, and then they uh, <laughs> then they let him go. That's what finally got him. Yeah, because you know Ezra Levant is definitely a pro-Israel guy. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So, but that's the thing is like as long as Nazis like as long as they're not talking about the Jews, as long as they're just talking about black people, you know, the type of the type of Jewish guy that Ezra Levant is mm-hmm. are, is fine with that, you know? Now they think, you know, mm-hmm. they'll just stop at the black people. Now that Once we've they're done with the black people, they'll stop. We've broached the topic of Israel. So, the other thing I wanted to talk about on the show was Iran, Iran, and the and the Iran. assassination of their top nuclear scientist. I believe yeah, that his, was a bunch of crazy shit that happened this week. Um, I th- uh, I can't remember his name. It's like uh, I'm gonna have to look it up. Hold, give me one moment. I'll give on looking it up. Like looking it up. It's Iran. Starts with an N. Iran nuclear scientist. Oh, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's uh, Fakhrizada. The they killed him. Were they? Scientist. Who killed him? Israel killed Israel him. Israel killed him. Apparently, it was a 62-person team. So, like, that's, that's a lot. That's a military. That's a military team. Um, yeah. They both blew up his car and shot it. And it's you know this is culminating after a long summer of mysterious explosions that have taken place all over Iran. Um, targeting critical infrastructure and it kind of so israel is just straight up invading iran no they're not invading they're um waging a covert war with u.s backing that's my what i think i've said this before Mm -hmm. on the show um and it's now they've they've done this after and it kind of started with the uh assassination of the general that trump did Mm -hmm. that kind of kicked everything off and it looks like, you know, Israel's pushing for a confrontation with Iran before Trump is gone. Because mm. uh, they think that Trump would maybe commit some some help either. Probably with, they probably just want money, really. Yeah. More military aid. Uh, or, yeah, just, you know, justify more military spending on Israel without actually having to start a war with Iran, which would be a right. fucking disaster so for this, everybody. This is what I'll put to both you guys, is whether you think uh, this is an effort to start something with Iran or to sort of hamstring Biden so that Biden can't go back to the nuclear deal with Iran. Uh, I think, yeah, the latter, for sure. No one wants a war with Iran. Least of all Israel, least of all Iran, you know? Well, that... It's a nightmare scenario. Um, counterpoint to that, I, I don't know. I think Israel, as you may have seen, Netanyahu and the Crown Prince bin Salman of Saudi Arabia had a secret meeting mm. uh, reported mm-hmm. on maybe three or four days ago, which should make people in Iran scared, because if Israel has any kind of agreement with Saudi Arabia about... Um, forming an alliance, or at least you know a secret alliance against Iran, that's huge. Um, 
Mm-hmm. Eric, have you? Yeah, seen... the Sunnis and the Jews teaming back up against the Shia. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> Eric, have you seen anything about this? Um, I mean, just headlines, really. And I, I got to be honest, my my opinions on this whole thing are are very unsophisticated. But I mean, with oh, that's okay. With, so are mine. With, uh, Don't worry. <laughs> with Netanyahu running the show, I I wouldn't um, I wouldn't put anything past him. Um. I don't know what his what this looks like in terms of motive or motivation for doing this, but uh, <laughs> it mm-hmm. doesn't bode well. Yeah. I mean, there is a strong argument to say that guys like Netanyahu are ideologically committed to this clash of civilizations thing and, you know, are willing to abandon economic or self-preservation sense in order to pursue, uh, pursue it, you know? Mm. There is this idea that Iran, more so than any other countries that are the font of, you know, international Muslim terror, including Pakistan and Saudi Arabia, uh, you know, for some reason, Iran, even though they are by far, like, not by far, but by a significant amount, probably the most peaceful and, you know, least shit-disturbing country when it comes to Muslim extremism, uh... Yeah, for some reason they've been the font of this this class of civilizations uh, mentality. They are the enemy, even though the enemy is guys like I guess you know, it, and because it's all about nukes. You know, the reason why they don't go after people in Pakistan is because Pakistan has nukes, and you know they don't want. And this is still all about nukes. They still don't want Iran to have any fucking nukes, and uh, yeah, I, and the, which is why I think it's more of the latter, like, hamstringing the nuclear deal. Because once Iran has nukes, they can't do this covert op shit anymore. Mm-hmm. They're exercising their privilege to do it because Israel has nukes and Iran doesn't. So if Iran tries to fucking retaliate, Israel can be like, mm-mm. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Who's coming for Pakistan's not coming for you. Well, Saudi's not yeah, coming for you. Yeah, that's what's concerning about having a, a meeting with uh, Crown Prince Bin Salman because... Um, if if the Saudi Arabia gives sort of tacit approval to this Israeli campaign, that takes Saudi Arabia has a whole sphere of influence that mm-hmm. is, Israel does not have to worry about retaliation. Mm-hmm. So um, that's very concerning. Although my prediction is that uh, Crown Prince Bin Salman has now put a price on his head so to speak, mm. for meeting with Netanyahu. Um, mm. Perhaps not as extreme as that, but if it goes further, if there is an alliance of any kind, I, my r- sort of far-out prediction I've made is that uh, we might see an assassination attempt on Crown Prince Ben Salman for making mm. an alliance with Israel, which has happened before. The, yeah. But uh, I don't know. I think what makes it different this time is like the elite class uh, of people like Ben Salman are very uh, more so than ever married to the idea of just letting American capitalism just invade the Middle East and are fine with it. You know, months ago, you saw the UAE brokering peace deals with Israel in exchange for throwing Palestine under the bus. You know, (laughs) I think the. I, I think what's what's happening is we are seeing sort of the golden arches effect, the insidious effect of neoliberal capitalism that it just presents. People will go against these 
millennia-held civilizational struggles just as long as it means getting more trade into their country, which I think you saw with UAE months ago, and you might be seeing now with Bin Salman's uh, Saudi Arabia, you know. Uh, but I don't know anything about this. I'm not a foreign policy person. I'm just speculating based off of the very, very limited information I know. Yeah, well, the speculation, but, yeah. that's the fun part, to speculate. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have a wild, my wild prediction is that he'll be assassinated, but, you know. I, I, I mean, it could, I, I don't know who are, I, Ben Salman seems pretty insulated, though, from what I, from what I've read. He seems like there's not a lot of people that can actually touch him. And it's not like he's popular, mm. but whatever extremist group that would hate him for joining with Israel doesn't necessarily have the resources to come at the king. The, well, the the thing about this kind this extremism is that it the kind of people who might have this kind of extremism also might be fairly close to him. So, mm. um, well, let's. Uh, they kept predicting Kim Jong Un would be assassinated, and it never happened. Has he? Have we Sad seen proof? That. Have we seen proof? <laughs> that is true. What's happening with Kim Jong Un? Eric, give me your most strident opinion about Israel. Um. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Just like uh, <laughs> am I just going to like let's torpedo my career just right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, torpedo your career. <laughs> yeah. Psy- psychedelic trance music is the worst electronic dance music, and they love it there. <laughs> they like it. They love it there. That's my most strident opinion about Israel. Psytrance is the fucking worst. And if that's the type of music that country produces, no thank you. <laughs> You're out, <laughs> Bennett. I'm out. I didn't go on birthright because there was too much side trance. <laughs> Um, no, uh, but, uh, are you, are you much of a foreign policy guy, Eric? Um, beyond, uh, I mean, I, uh, I lived in the, the woods of Canada for, uh, for about a year and I kind of stopped looking outside our, our very goofy country. Um, but mm-hmm. I mean, I pay attention. I, I know generally what's going on. Um, not do you have like a pet country that a pet country do you have a pet country that you follow <laughs> that you want to invade <laughs> yeah i'm a big moldova guy no um yeah. i mean i i find that i i'm paying a lot of attention to what's happening in england because i feel like uh one their uh yeah their structure of their governments reminds me of canada's and that we kind of rip mm-hmm. theirs off so it's easy for me to understand what's actually happening there um and also i mean it is insane all the time like their uh mm-hmm. the conversations they have like corbin getting kicked out of the labor party for like three days for being anti-semitic and then being allowed mm. back in and then he wrote like an apology but it wasn't really an apology and everyone's like that's not an apology but i mean he was kind of he was kind of like booted unfairly i think um definitely oh yeah yeah, watching that, watching how uh, how that conservative government is uh, mishandling, um, destroying their country economically, while also just like letting COVID run amok is is insane. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you about you guys? Who are your who are your pet countries? <laughs> uh, my pet countries. I no. I'm even less versed in 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 international politics. I don't even follow the UK. I just I just you know come up with snap decisions based on what Stephen tells me. <laughs> yeah, I, I like uh, I like foreign politics a lot. I I follow several countries in my fandoms. Mm-hmm. I like France and what, the UK. What, I like their historic yeah. rivalry. Uh, I'm always in favor 
of bringing that back as a way to satisfy the bloodlust of the nascent bloodlust in the EU. We could have a good war between France and England. Uh, yeah. Settle things. Who owns Brittany? Right? It's got the word Britain in it. <laughs> but it's in France. <laughs> <laughs> we need to settle this once uh, and for all. I mean, everybody being under lockdown, I feel like this is the only time that we can actually settle it, too. Yeah. Get I think there's a lot of things we could all, we could do during lockdown. And it's a shame the Great Reset has become a um, a <laughs> thing because, like... This really would be the perfect time to do something like universal health care. Uh, I've said this before, yeah. but when we have huge economic upheaval, that's the best time for a huge ep- economic upheaval. It's already happening. Yeah. So Yeah. Someone accused uh, Naomi Klein of being in favor of disaster socialism. <laughs> and she says, yes, I am in favor <laughs> yeah. of disaster socialism. I've been advocating it since I wrote the fucking book. <laughs> About disaster capitalism. Like, if you analyze any any sort of, you know, popular, long-lasting uh, government entitlement from Canadian healthcare, which manifested out of labor, intense labor issues in the early, in the Prairie Provinces in the early 20th century, or the NHS in England, which was founded after World War II, you know, they all came from disaster. Pretty much everyone's national health program was implemented after a big ep- economic upheaval. This is the time. These, yeah. <laughs> and we don't, do, and America can't do it because, you know, still can't destroy the insurance industry. <laughs> well, you know, those insurance salesmen they got to feed their families too right they just got to do it on the back that's true but that's true though and there's millions of them yeah it's a goddamn well that's sort of that's not quite how it works with health insurance um there aren't individual insurance salesmen it's corporations and you buy direct from them the age of insurance salesmen has really decreased it's basically Mm -hmm. just life insurance that they can sell now but, you know, even with these corporations, it's the programmers that make their software. It's the customer service people. It's, it's yeah. the well, uh, caseworkers. Yeah. <laughs> it's the, you know, all of those people. I was, I got to be honest, I was I was just fucking around. Like, I, I do think, like, the States is way overdue for some sort of socialized health care. I mean, yeah, the, like. Yeah. What I was thinking about was, like, if, if, like, how can Biden make Obamacare better? Is there any way to make it better without it become like and the only thing i could think of was like what they're trying to do is have the market forces that trend towards monopoly do that and so that eventually what happens is all we have in america is one giant health health care insurance company and then it's going to take a democrat with balls to nationalize it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like that's the only is that the game plan i mean that's the only unless you get rid of obamacare that's the only way to like work with it to make it turn into universal health care yeah we're gonna we're not gonna do the trust buster we're gonna do the opposite we're gonna combine aetna and blue cross blue shield and kaiser permanente they're all gonna be one big insurance company it's gonna be called gorbold and gorbold and everyone's gonna have gorbold gorbold yeah gorbold well it's uh gorbold the crusher <laughs> I am the insurance conglomerate Gorbel the Crusher. That is a hell of a name. Fear me and my lovely premiums. <laughs> oh man, we should get on a debate stage 
<laughs> for a health insurance idea. It's called Orpo the Crusher. Yeah, I wear a big car. I wear a, 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 a rustic cardboard costume painted, you know, red. And, you know, I'm just like, I have little bits of hamburger in my in the tubes in my arms. So I'm constantly ejecting hamburger and saying, Gorbold. Uh, and, you know, they'll be so transfixed. That they won't recognize that I'm, I'm infecting them with socialism. Oh my god, I'd love that so much. I mean, like uh-huh. the the thing is with uh, with a good healthcare system is as soon as you get it, people are trying to you know cut it down. I I mean, healthcare in Canada um, has already been so passively privatized in in so many little oh, ways, yeah. and I mean you can see it. Um, I'm sure this hasn't made the news in in Michigan. It barely makes the news out in Toronto over here, but the the goings on of Alberta and the the premier out there who's basically he's fire or he's made the plan to cut eleven thousand healthcare jobs in the midst of a pandemic, um, which is one of the largest cuts to any industry across the world um, in twenty twenty. Um, mm-hmm. So I mean, uh, it, the first fight is getting it, and then then it's you know getting it to stay without people cannibalizing it entirely yeah Mm -hmm. well you do need and i think why it works in a crisis and also you know something that i argue about so so the reason why uh the i think republicans make a very good argument when they say well why can't we just increase taxes to the high marginal rate that they were in the 50s and someone like thomas sowell will argue that, well, if you do that, then they're just going to hide their wealth in the fucking Virgin Islands and or Switzerland or something like that. And that's largely true for a certain class of people who make a certain amount of money and have access to those resources. A high marginal tax rate won't work because they will just hide their money or, you know, put it into launder it into a weird LLC or charity, mm-hmm. you know, like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and, um, I think, uh, you know, the reason why this argument is also so frustrating is because guys like Thomas Sowell helped create, you know, these international tax instruments that people can hide their money in. (laughs) So it's like, uh, so you're always saying that, uh, uh... You're, you're you're saying that you know these people won't pay because I created a system where they don't have to, <laughs> <laughs> and which enraged me. But the I, I think the other reason why you could get away with a ninety percent marginal tax rate in the fifties that rich people would largely pay for is because rich people were just as affected by you know the 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 continent wide trauma of World War One and two, not as much as say you know someone on the ground, but it definitely put the fear of God into a lot of people, which is why I think there was a greater communitarian spirit even amongst plutocrats in, you know, 1950s America, which is why, uh, because the culture was different, because they had just come off of this uh, monumental, world-changing, disastrous 30 years, you know, there was this sense, even amongst the most selfish and evil, to help rebuild and so we just need another one of those, is what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, I come to that conclusion sometimes, but it's not good. Yeah. No, no, I don't think it would work. There's no guarantee that making another World War II will result in yeah. socialist paradise. It's not good because we've got nukes now. 
You know what that is? That's the Sephiroth strategy. Because yeah. in Final <laughs> Fantasy VII, mm-hmm. Sephiroth wants to injure the planet and create a cut so large that all of the life stream goes to it so that he can gather it and ascend to the power of godliness. And so, yeah, that's what basically I'm arguing. The Sephiroth technique. Isn't it also like the Ozymandias thing from The Watchmen where he brings in the the tentacle monster to kill millions of people? Yeah, you're right. I was just Googling the the blue guy from Watchmen, Dr. Manhattan. Doesn't... Because I was thinking, I was just about to say, we need someone like Dr. Manhattan to come disable all the nukes so we can have a good old-fashioned war. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) One where we can take out... We can do do everything, you know, that... The the human bar uh, the barbarous spirit of humans wants to do without actually destroying the planet for everyone. Yeah, knife war. <laughs> Let's just have a good old fashioned yeah. knife war. N- knife get war. rid of the gu- no guns. <laughs> Roll up your sleeves, <laughs> sharpen knife your war! knives, and get going. <laughs> We're gonna have a knife war. Yeah. It's gonna be the decade of long knives. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm into a knife war, guys. That sounds fun. Yeah. yeah, sort of. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to be stabbed. A lot stabbed. of stab wounds yeah, are going to be happening, you know. I'd rather be shot than stabbed. Actually? No, you wouldn't. Yeah, it depends where. No, you, yeah, you, where do, you wouldn't because the bullet, like, expands and fragments. Yeah, you're right. I think both would be bad. Uh, um, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm saying it would be fun from a, an observer's perspective. I mean, I think... Uh, I think I have enough injuries to uh, to be able to opt out. I'm sure there's like a, a form yeah. that they would give you for knife war. Yeah. Oh, where... there's definitely going to be a form. Yeah. yeah. And at the bottom, <laughs> yeah. it's like, do you have any injuries that would prevent you from participating <laughs> in knife war? And I would I would check yeah. the box yes, and I would mail it. Um, and in four to six days, the Canadian government would find out that I would not be eligible for yeah. knifing, knife infantry. I don't know. You, you just have to, have to you know, watch out. You hand it to the mailman who won't knife you immediately. <laughs> <laughs> knife war. Oh. oh. If you don't have a STEM degree, they make you pin your knife to your jacket. <laughs> because they think you're stupid. <laughs> oh, they making the smart people do the knife war. Yeah, we'll have we'll send all we'll send all the engineering majors to do the knife war. Oh, yeah, yeah and then they'll just they, be like, you know, "This is a knife that blows up, up <laughs> like a bomb." <laughs> yeah, these are trick knives. But no, then they'll be then the ref then the war referee will come in and expel them from the knife war. Okay. No incendiary weapons, okay. only stabbing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they'd have you know extendy knives that would yeah. reach yeah, across. Yeah, maybe extendy wide, but possibly yeah. projectile knives. Um, you know, which would really. Yeah. But you know, we draw the line at a machete. You yeah, know? exactly. Don't want to ruin the spirit you of knife throwing war. knives. Yeah, uh, can't have a katana. <laughs> can't have a machete. We might allow a wakizashi. <laughs> wakizashi, but no katana. What the? No, wait. I'm, I'm the, saying that wrong. Go, what the? Uh, isn't it a? Isn't a wakizashi a short sword that which what the samurai used? I don't know. I isn't need to that, read more um, Mishima. Right wing, yes, you do. Right wing gay author read. Mishima, who I just learned about his <laughs> attempted coup in Japan. Yeah, and then subsequent, uh, subsequent seppuku. Yeah, uh, that was a real knife war. He was <laughs> yes, he do. that guy was start trying to start knife war. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, do you know Mishima? No, I'm learning Just, about him right now. Um, yeah, uh, tell me everything. Crazy guy. Tried to start a tried to take over as emperor. Yeah, he wanted to create... He was an ultra-nationalist. He was also an author and poet. 
and uh, yeah, he wanted to. He he. Who did he did he attempt to assassinate the emperor or the prime minister? I'm not. I'm not sure. I kind of kind of glossed over it, but people hold him. Yeah. People have a little bit of a soft spot for him, which I mm-hmm. think is understandable because Japan was sort of thrust into the world without it. You know, most of the people wanting to be, they wanted to stay isolated. Um, as a sort of an island nation, you know, we now respect island people who don't want to interact with the world. We we, we did not in the 18th century. Well, yeah, America at the time, <laughs> right? America, knock, knock, it's America. Hey, come trade with us, or we'll shoot you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Mishima wanted to okay. return to a, some kind of traditional super conservative he's a reactionary basically mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. he has a soft spot in people's hearts because um you know knife war related ideas yeah yeah well it was a real make japan great again type of thing uh and uh you know in a way that he did because you know no mishima no dragon ball z you know so <laughs> we can have, we have him to thank do it really no. Oh. <laughs> what are you talking about? I didn't know. I don't. I'm not in the. I don't no, know. Akira Toriyama said that his greatest influence with Dragon Ball Z was the was the ultra nationalist writings of Mishima, which is why you also see a lot of homoeroticism in Dragon Ball Z. Actually, I'm starting to convince myself. I don't know if you're joking. <laughs> I'm like that. That tracks for me. I don't know. Uh, I don't think Dragon Ball Z it doesn't take place in Japan. It takes place in a fictional universe. Uh, trying to I'm trying to think of like a manga that could be interpreted as very right wing or like pro Japanese. Oh God, I don't want to uh, have to Google right wing manga, but I'm going to. You're gonna Google right wing manga? Oh no! <laughs> oh no! What's happening? No. Um, a lot of manga authors are. Uh, not a lot, but you know, there's a lot of the the themes of. One Piece or uh, Naruto or other popular anime don't necessarily tend to be right-leaning. Uh, of course, uh, you know, there are problems with it. There's problematic parts in One Piece. Oh, man. I found a great article here, with. though. It's called um, Manga History in Japan's Right-Wing Fringe. The cultural battle for Japan's history is being waged in manga from the diplomat. Okay. Yeah. You know what? Like, okay. I could see, like, like I'm, I'm thinking back to some goofy classes I took in, uh, in my Bachelor of Arts undergrad. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Ghost in the Shell has some certain iconography that you're like, huh, that, that seems interesting. <laughs> Very pro-military and pro-intelligence pro agency. Um, and then, I mean, mm-hmm. Evangelion is kind of weird as well. Like, um... Uh, but that's that's yeah. kind of like a dystopian future where yeah, it doesn't really have a political. No. Evangelion's more about like a, being a depressed kid <laughs> than it is like having a political point of view. Yeah, no, has a psychological point. Of I view. would say like the world that it's created in the you know the cities that can like wall themselves over and and the position that you know certain defense leaders have in in society. I think could you know you could probably drill into that a little bit but i agree that it's a it's a story about a child who doesn't seem to have a whole lot of friends mm-hmm. and robots of course <laughs> <laughs> like i'm trying to i was trying to think is dragon ball z actually right wing and 
like if you if you investigate it, so the character Frieza, Akira Toriyama said the character Frieza was based on real estate speculators. <laughs> and that that's, rules. That's absolutely true. Um, because what Frieza does is he goes to a planet, he evaluates it for its resources, mines all the resources, and then blows and up then the planet. Cuts Krillin Not, in half with the Destructo disc. He does cut Krillin in half with a Destructo disc, and he's also uh, effeminate, <laughs> which we all know means he's a villain. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think, you know, whatever whatever brief politics that Dragon Ball does enter in, it's not like hate, re- hating real estate speculation is not exactly a right-wing no, position. No. So it's it's, you know, sort of hard to read those. You could say it's like, you know, traditionally, it embodies traditional masculinity or toxic masculinity. Kind of? Not really, I guess. It's it's way more homoerotic than that. But I guess that is traditional masculinity, but people don't want to admit it. <laughs> yeah. If we're getting Greek here. Man, I wish Marino was here. He would be having the best time ever talking about Dragon Ball Z. He's a... Uh, we should... Uh, we'll invite him on for the anime oh, episode. That, he oh, would did love we do that. It? Yeah, we have a planned anime episode in the works. I think we planned it before. Yeah, we should. I think we should have. I I think that would be really interesting talking about anime vis a vis its its uh, appropriation by the right wing, and you know how you see all these right wing people with like Lucky Star avatars or this this fascism aesthetic, which presents itself as as cute as cutesy mm-hmm. this cutesy fascist aesthetic. But how, you know, then on the other spectrum, you have, uh, you know, trans cat girls all the time. You know, why why does the internet sort of gravitate towards this cloying cuteness as a form of a cultural flashpoint? Well, what does it say about us? Not to, not to, you know, dive into that episode, but, like, I think, you know, some of that has to come from the fact that a lot of these, uh, these weird reactionary right-wing spaces, like, uh, like slash poll on 4chan exist in in Cong- in congress with uh with anime image boards right like it it sort of mm-hmm. it borrows its aesthetic from the other places that they can go chat on their their little uh safe spaces or forums right like that mm. might be the place where actually it might be born from you, you know what you're saying is it's giving me a brainwave i think what it all comes down to, so you know how anime is very consistently right wing or is very consistently, you know, aligns to one of the beliefs these QAnon or internet Nazi types have, mm-hmm. um, is in its treatment of women. Because, mm. uh, you know, Dragon Ball Z, you know, it has, you know, token female characters. Videl can do something, but, you know, women are largely, you, you, you know, uh, sidelined or made less powerful throughout the series or, you know, given less agency than all of the male characters and sort of treated as can be treated as rewards essentially by the male characters for doing good as android 18 you know she's who's like the most well-developed female character in the series still she is krillin's reward for krillin being a good boy (laughs) Um, devastating moment in the series to be honest yeah (laughs) <laughs> Android 18, you can do better. <laughs> yeah, aim higher. No. <laughs> I don't care how much hair he no, grows. No, no, short King Krillin. <laughs> we gotta, we gotta love short King Krillin. Uh, 
but I think even in other the other ones I met, a shonen manga like One Piece too, you know, has a problem with objectification of its if if its female characters who are very well developed uh, and grow more developed as the series oh, goes boy. on. Uh, but yeah, you see Aichiro Oda drawing them as more explicitly sexual and putting them into more sort of compromising situations where they lack agency over the story. And I think that perception of women can sort of inform an alienated base of people that want that sort of subservient, objectified women. And from that flows the rest of the right-wing ideology. You know, from that sort of incel, you know, not having the type of not having the type of subservient sex partner you want. From that flows the rest of it. Maybe. That's just a theory. It's a good theory. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, like, I don't want to I don't want to add to that at all, because I, I feel like that was pretty much start finish. Good point. Yeah. Well, that's good, because, yeah. well, we've reached the end of our time. So now's a good time for plugs. Eric, if you yeah, what do you Eric, the plug? thank you for being on. What do you plug? Oh man, well I kind of plugged us in the middle of a uh, middle of I'll the show because I am a I am a horrible horrible shill for uh, the work that I'm doing these days. But uh, yeah, listen to Big Shiny Takes. Even if you're not from Canada, I think uh, you would laugh at the terrible columns that get published in uh, in the little country of Canada up above the United States. Um, the columnists are terrible. The opinions are equally bad if not worse than the things that you would hear on fox news or uh or on breitbart or any of the the silly silly places that uh that your weird uncle gets his information from um yeah check us out it's just big you can find us on twitter big shiny takes uh boys it, this is like i'm so happy i've been on the show uh Oh yeah, we're happy you're on the show. We love uh, big shiny takes, and uh, both of us have appeared on that show yeah. at, at different points. So yeah, and it's good. Uh, Great to have we'd you. We'd love on. to be continue this collaboration. Uh, fuck Adam some barbecue. <laughs> eat stockyards barbecue. Eat jerk chicken instead. Uh, peace. Good night.